0: Welcome back to the Sophos Naked Security Podcast. I'm Anna Brading and I'm here with Sophos experts Mark Stockley. Hi. Paul Ducklin. Hello, folks. And Greg Fido-Iden.
1: Hello. You're
0: back. Thanks.
1: It's really nice to be back, actually. I'm currently playing the role of Alice Duckett, which is why I've grown my hair out. Nice. And my facial hair.
0: And can I say you look beautiful Thank on the you. mic <laughs> and on the produce- in the producer's chair. Yeah,
1: it works really well for you. You look like you belong there. Oh, yeah? Okay. Mm-hmm. It'd be hard to prise me out of here, mostly, because Alice is slightly smaller than I. <laughs> snug. It's,
0: <laughs> it's snug. It's snug, snug as a you. bug in a rug, yeah. 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 Um, as Alice is out on, the, on her training course this week, which means she's going to be making us lots of fun videos in future, you're going to take over the producer's chair, as you said, and I'm hoping for some sound effects, maybe? you're gonna, what, what are you going to do to up Alice?
1: <laughs> I <tried> to <laughs> a dark <laughs> yeah, gonna... maybe, some, maybe some festive jingle
0: bells? I can't believe that you're going to let it pass without adding something, Greg. Oh, you know, there's going to be some showboating, surely. Insert jingle
1: bells here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll add that on in post, don't nope. worry. Nope. Don't, yeah. Nice. Okay.
0: Just as as we go through, if you feel it's appropriate, feel free to add something in. I, I will, okay. Okay, great. Um, and this is our final episode of the year, guys. Uh-huh. How are you feeling about that?
1: I'm sad. I've just come back and then it's over.
0: Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, those, those
2: two long. things aren't connected. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Really, yeah. If you're lucky, yeah. we'll
0: let you back. We're, we're closing
2: now for Christmas. It's,
3: it's okay, Greg. I'll be here. You guys will be away. Well, it's a, a podcast with one person. I think that's actually technically that's a monologue. I don't think they. <laughs> a monologue. They, they don't quite have the same. <laughs> no, I think you could turn it into soliloquy. They don't. Does that you make could this do a that squeaky voice and a deep voice <laughs> and you know combine them?
0: That's what you can do with your time. Just just practice that. Does for that a few make days.
3: this a polylog?
0: Uh, yeah.
3: But-do-psht. Sorry, I'll add that in post. Don't
2: worry. Yeah, if you could.
0: <laughs> We'll just edit out his whole (laughs) photo. If
2: you could could just make that joke funnier in post. Yeah, 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 in post. It's all right. We'll do it all in post.
0: (laughs) (laughs) As usual, we've picked the top three stories from the week to discuss on the podcast. So coming up on today's show, Duck discusses Vault. Greg talks about end-to-end encryption, and Mark talks about a domain name transfer that was even more painful than usual. So as it's our last episode of the year, we thought there's going to be some uh, techies working over Christmas, as I won't be. And Duck will be one of them. One of Duck's Christmas presents I bought him was an Office Dares book. And we thought maybe we could suggest some things that people could do in their office around Christmas to keep them entertained. Duck, have you got some ideas?
3: I do. The good thing about this book is there's nothing... That you might expect in here so there's no suggesting that you photocopy interesting parts of your body so you can actually do these Never probably without without breaking any laws or health and safety laws. I mean but they are kind of some of them are quite weird
0: well no one's g- I mean peculiar. obviously we mean only do this on your lunch hour within the laws of your country etc cetera, etc cetera. And,
3: and only at home sorry
0: yeah sure yeah
1: well, yes. Is that the caveat uh, in the book? Please don't. Yeah. Please don't try this at work. No, That's no, no, what I wrote on the front no, before no, I gave no, it no, to Doug. the
3: opposite. It says the office will never be the same if you dare play the game. Ooh. And here's one of them, which it doesn't seem much of a dare to me. It seems like that most techie companies probably did this years ago. Change your company's phone hold music to death metal.
0: Oh. And why
2: not?
0: <laughs> <laughs> just use that. Just use Duck's death That muscle. reminds That's me good. of
2: something that actually happened at Christmas one year at Sophos.
0: What happened at Christmas one year at Sophos?
2: Well, I was, I was in a, a video conference with uh, somebody, let's call them Fluck. <laughs> <laughs> and they decided they Can decided I just say, just before the story
3: starts, that was not death metal. That was simply traditional metal. Perhaps the archetypal... The the band that started the modern metal movement. It was what not death metal. Let me, in me any put this another, way. Let me put this what, in another what way. What did he do?
2: Has anyone else in this on this podcast ever been in a meeting where somebody sang war pigs?
3: <laughs> yes, I have. Oh
2: <laughs> <laughs> Whoops.
3: Go on. Um so that's one. The... Uh, the other one, of course, no one, no one would ever do this. Ask a colleague to explain something very complicated. Interrupt them midway by saying, "I'm really sorry, I don't have time for this. Some of us have got work to do." <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: feels, like, feels like that's what oh, happens God. in office. She's on days. a course this week. <laughs> yeah.
3: That's a yeah. little rude, perhaps, but this is one. Now, do not do this because it's completely unprincipled. But
0: mm. do it. Don't do
3: it. <laughs> I mean, th- this would work. This, I, I'm so tempted. We just don't have the wherewithal to do this near us, unfortunately. Attach a sign to the printer that says, this printer is now fitted with voice recognition software. Instructions. <laughs> Stand closely and speak commands to the printer, e.g. print or scan. You may need to repeat commands as the printer is still in training mode. <laughs> and that's, that's nice. I like that one. Yeah, it is yeah. kind of, provided you don't also install a webcam, which of course it doesn't mention, uh, except in the footnotes. So these seem a little bit tame,
2: Anna. What? I reckon you could. Pro- I reckon you could probably write one of these books.
0: Are you what was it? Was it Fun Friday? Are you talking about my Naughty Friday? Oh, that was oh. that what it was called? It was actually with your wife as well. <laughs> oh, just don't like read, read Mondays. It, Don't read into it. <laughs> and she says, "I what, what are the what are the dangers of how can you fit a full chocolate bar in your mouth? It was specifically a Twix, but I think you can try it with any sort of standard chocolate bar size." Not a snack sized ones.
2: Death? Don't, don't do it while revolving on a chair violently Ooh, quickly.
0: Danger. Think, danger I th- Fridays. I think lucky. the
3: problem is that if it's an old style Toblerone, then, <laughs> right, we, we, before they removed yeah. some of the teeth, if you, you know, when you also, get the. Also, new teeth, style
0: might be quite tricky. When you get the.
3: When you would get your teeth between the teeth, there's actually a sort of risk of sort of shearing your actual teeth
0: off because mm. the
1: chocolate bar, if it had been in the fridge, would um, be quite... Obviously, you've obviously got, you've you've got
0: these got... aren't quite tricky.
1: Sorry, I was going to say, you're onto something really smart there with the Toblerone because it's got all the segments so you can actually figure out how long, you know, how many segments of Toblerone can one fits betwixt two cheeks inside mouth. don't know why I said it that way, but I did. It's Christmas. <laughs> sh- I don't know, more joke noise. I'll do it in post, we'll do it in post. But you could take all the segments of, like, Toblerone and just, yeah, like, oh, I'm ai am a seven, I'm a seven mountain. Oh, yeah, what, yeah I a seven see. peak, that's it.
0: Seven peak, well, it is mountains, isn't so it? So,
1: listeners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also. Go to Instagram. <laughs>
0: Yeah, naked security. go
1: and buy a Toblerone. <laughs> yeah, if anyone wants to send us some Toblerones, legit, we'll do this. Yeah, we'll try. Yeah, or yeah. Twix.
0: I mean, I'm up for any chocolate, Twixes, really. Yes, I'm not a massive fan of coconut. <laughs> yeah. Mark. Yes. It's story time. Ooh. We know that domain transfers can be tricky, yep. but it's very rare for one to end in a gunfight. Yep. What happened?
2: Well, this is the story of the improbably named Rossi Polo Lothario Adams II. Oh. Who has just been sentenced to 14 years in federal prison for his part in a bizarre and bloody domain transfer?
0: Wasn't someone already charged for that?
2: Yeah, they were in 2018. His accomplice, um, a guy called Sherman Hopkins, was sent down for 20 years for his part in the same crime.
1: Wow! So sort of for transferring okay. a domain.
0: <laughs> I think we need to start well, at the beginning of the story, yeah, Mark. Yeah. I think let's unpack There's this. Let's roll back
2: around the. <laughs> Oh, would you like me to explain what happened? Yeah, yeah. let's start. So this all starts in 2015 uh, with Adams, who is a student at Iowa State University. And Adams starts a social media company called State Snaps. So he's on uh, Snapchat and Instagram. And it's all about photos of these kind of standard American college debauchery. So it's drinking games, drugs... Nice. Boobs.
0: All the kind of things that you want.
2: Um and he's also got a website. So his website is called doitforstate.com. So the state's the State Snaps website is doitforstate.com. Okay. With the numeric character four in Do it For State. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now there's another website called Do It For State with an F O R instead of a four in it.
0: I can see where this is going. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And that's owned by Uh, an entrepreneur called Ethan Dayo. And Ethan Dayo isn't really doing anything with this. I think he leases it out to a friend of his to promote some concerts at one point, but he's he's basically not doing anything with Mm -hmm. his domain. And Adams decides that it would be better if he owned the domain. So over the course of about two years, he uh, makes various attempts to try and get hold of this domain. So he tries to buy it uh, and he becomes mildly threatening. So he sent uh, a message with some gun emojis to, I think, a friend of... um, Sorry, I'm losing my people now. So he sent a, a message with some gun emojis to a friend of Deo's at one think, point.
0: I don't think you could do that now. We'd Can have you know Water pistol emojis. I think they've got rid of them. Oh. Be less threatening. Yes. Although I don't know how threatening awesome. gun emojis are. Really. Is it like a super
1: soakers? Because I'm in.
0: No, I think they're like the really rubbish ones where you have to sort of hold them at a slight angle under the tap to sort of, and it takes a long time to fill them up. Yeah.
2: Well, you you were saying, I don't know how threatening gun emojis were. In this case, actually, they turned out to be very threatening indeed. Uh, So the story takes a rather sinister and bizarre turn in 2017. So um, Adams, who's been unsuccessful in his attempts to gain control of his domain... Persuades his cousin, Sherman Hopkins, who's the guy who went down for twenty years, mm-hmm. to break into Deo's home. And Hopkins, who's 43, is a convicted felon, and he turns up dressed for burglary, he's not messing around, and he's armed. And he breaks into Deo's home.
0: How do you dress for burglary? Oh, well, you know, with he's a like stripy like top, um, swag bag.
2: <laughs> like the stocking over the head and right, okay. all that kind of stuff.
0: Christmas stocking. <laughs>
1: I can't imagine it. They're not very, like, visible. You can't see through them. Very no, some
0: of them are quite knitted.
1: I know this is going to be a really Knit. sad punchline to this, isn't there? Yeah, there, there is, there is uh, trust oh, me, there is nothing really festive about this story cool, at all. Well, I'm just going to go back in my hole. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just beep, just yeah. beep yourself.
2: So, out. um, so Deo's hiding upstairs when he notices that uh, somebody's broken into his home, goes and hides in his room. Uh, Hopkins breaks down the door and pulls out a script. That he's been given by Adams, which explains how to do a domain transfer for Do It For State. Wow! And he sits down. Um, he sits uh, Deo down in front of his computer, tells him to turn it on, puts a gun to his head, and says, "Basically, you're going to transfer this domain."
0: That is terrifying. Is uh, it's, yeah, it's
2: bone chilling, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and at some point in the process, they get to a point where they have to hand over a mailing address and a phone number, and at that point. Uh, Hopkins pistol whips Deo and then a fight breaks out and Deo gets shot. And then somehow in the course of this fight, Deo wrestles control of the gun and shoots Hopkins. Wow. So crazy, right? Mm. Anyway, push comes to shove. Uh, It's it's very obvious if you've ever done a domain transfer, you have to say who you're transferring it to. So there's a big clue about (laughs) why Hopkins is there. Uh, because he's trying to transfer the domain over to his cousin. Yeah. So both of them end up in front of the uh, prosecutor in Iowa and both of them are going to federal prison.
0: And you, so you say that the, the cousin got more than the instigator. Yeah. Or the mastermind. So they,
2: I, 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 I don't know what, I mean, he was yeah. a convicted felon was- already and he was the guy who was, you know, he, yeah. had a, he had a taser and a gun uh, and he used them both. Scary. Terrifying, isn't it? Yeah.
0: So and he- weird. What? What? Am
1: I? <laughs> Sorry. Like, there's other TLDs. Was this just to try and get a .com? No, because it was said four, right? And there's was a number, for, numeral four, the word four, but for .com. Yeah. There's
0: what?
2: there's an amount it's of said- caring about the domain name here that yeah. is is mm. hard to fathom.
1: Yeah. Right. I, I had a similar argument with someone else. I was trying to get a domain for something many years Sorry. ago. <laughs> Uh, we didn't end up in any 50 <laughs> I, I think the argument it, was slightly, it, like,
0: we'll slightly different. We'll on call it fight.
1: foo.com because I don't want to reveal the domain. It's an old business. But they had foo.com and I really wanted foo.com. But then there was the TLD of .co. And so once I got foo.co, I sent them an email to them at foo.com from mine, foo at co, with a very smug, gloaty email about having the shorter TLD. So, I mean... Couldn't you have done that? You won
0: there, Greg, didn't
1: you? Yeah, I did. That's me, the highbrow. (laughs) Stick it to the man. Well, it's passive aggressive and aggressive as I get, yeah.
2: (laughs) I think we'd all just like to thank you for your restraint in not shooting the
1: other person. (laughs) Well, I mean, that seems like the first thing you would do, right? I mean, clearly shoot them, right? Because you want the domain. This is the maddest story I've ever heard about a domain.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and we can't really, I mean, at the end of each segment we usually try and end on advice, but we can't really here. I mean, apart from the obvious.
1: Try a different TLD. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe just focus on search engine optimization and you don't need the fancy domain. I'm trying these are these are good this is good advice, right? (laughs) (laughs) Mark's looking at like "Mm." (laughs) Please tell me you wrote down and don't shoot people.
2: (laughs) I I think you're right. I don't think there's 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 no advice that we can give people here. This is just uh this is kind of a at the end of the day, this is, I was going to say it's a good news story. It's not quite a good news story because, <laughs> you know, somebody still got I shot. I don't know where the but good is. At least
0: the perpetrators Justice. of the
2: crime ended up where they belong yep. for Agreed. the crimes that they committed. And they're federal sentences, which means that there's no possibility of
0: parole. Okay. Good.
3: I guess it's worth reminding people who do have domain names that in the real world that if they haven't set the what what their provider offers for domain name lockdown mm. then it's very easy for you to lose control of a domain that you actually do require without any notice like "Hey, there's a guy with a gun crawling around downstairs," which at least is a giveaway that something bad is happening. And of course, if someone can rip off your domain, then they've basically hacked your servers without hacking your servers because they just send people to their servers instead of to yours. Yeah. So in real life, this idea of domain name lockdown, which makes it, which raises the bar for a crook to log in and transfer the registration of the domain to to somebody else, i.e., him or herself, it's very much worth doing. My understanding is most registrars will do that by default these days when you you first register. But if you have an old domain name that you do rely on and you don't want it to be associated with badware and malware, then consider this lockdown because a domain name hijack is a fantastic way for crooks to get into your digital life Mm. and into your digital business.
2: And while you're there, make sure you auto renew as well. So whether it's default or not, all of these options tend to be a kind of tick box away these Mm. days. And auto renew is the thing that stops your domain name slipping into the hands of somebody else by accident because yeah. you forgot to renew it.
3: Because they give you a little bit of leeway, don't they? Like if you forget for a week or so, they go, look, do you, you've it, still it depends, got time.
2: It depends on the registrar, but some of them give you eventually- loads of leeway. But there's there always a point where you you lose control. So often it will go into a sort of limbo yeah. where you're the only person that can claim the domain for a few months or mm-hmm. something like that. But there is
3: always a point of no return. There's always a point where it's back on the market. And once you've lost it, it's a little bit like the problem you have with a mobile phone with a SIM swap. If a crook takes over your mobile phone number or your domain name, you're now the outsider trying to convince, legitimately convince the company that you're the real owner. And in many cases, understandably, good luck with that because they've made it harder to stop the crooks doing it by social engineering. So also make sure you have all the documentation you might need in the future if this does happen so you can go and rest control, whether it's a domain name or a mobile phone number or any sort of online identity, because if someone does steal it off you, they then own it, and you're somehow suddenly maybe seen as the bad guy trying to prize it from them. I think for a
2: lot of small businesses, actually, it's even more basic than that. It's it's scary the number of small businesses I run into who don't even understand that they own a domain. And often they they don't own the domain that mm. they they have a website and it has a domain name, but actually the the company that registered it on their behalf actually owns the domain name.
0: Right. Okay.
3: Yeah. Oh, you mean because it said get a website on our hosted service, free domain name, blah blah blah. Well, and even and you if, said great. Like, they're web designers, right? Even if they went yeah. to an
2: agency, it, yeah. it's often actually registered in the name of the agency and the the a small business doesn't have the wherewithal yeah, to actually sort of claim control of that so they they don't know what their login is to the hosting company and all that kind of thing. I've
0: certainly built websites for people and registered domain names for them and forgot to renew but <laughs> well, we won't talk about that <laughs> wah,
1: wah, wah. there we go did you get it
3: back in the end or was it gone no, for No
0: because I thought I only did it to help him out, it was fine <laughs> let's not talk about it anymore <laughs> great story very Christmasy yeah. Yeah, <laughs> duck. You're talking to us today about the latest bug with an interesting name, or B Wayne? Is Bwayne, that you, I say b bug
3: with an it, bug with an interesting name? Yeah, where it has its own website, its own logo, its own HTTPS certificate. You hope
0: it's, its Plunder This time.
3: Vault. Yes. So,
0: in one sentence, duck, what is it?
3: Basically, it turns out that if you Turn the voltage down on your CPU, your Mm. processor, just a little bit, which the system does adjust the voltage to change. Particularly on laptops, to make eke out more battery life. If you turn it down just enough, but not too much, instead of cutting out, your CPU can actually be tricked into making mistakes, and it doesn't realise that it's made the mistake. And the researchers behind the whole plunder vault thing discovered that they can actually exploit those mistakes to do security bypasses.
0: Wow. So don't don't CPUs just work or not work then though? That's not the case.
3: That when I first saw about this, the reason I got interested in it, apart from the cool piratical theme where it has the logo has a, a chip with a little pirate's patch over one eye. You <laughs> fell oh. for the logo. Oh yes.
0: <gasps> wow, duck. Um and you know Duck's feeling feeling so really is the turn of I'm a new okay.
3: decade. <laughs> <laughs> I like the sound of the story. It's a pun on Thunderbolt, which is a hardware interface that's had its own share of security scares. So I went and read about it and they said, basically, we undervolted the CPU and we got it to misbehave. And I thought exactly like you did. I thought, that can't happen. It, it's not like in the old days with a Walkman when the batteries ran down, the music got slower and slower. Oh. It just suddenly...
2: It's <laughs> an accessible example for our millennial it, listeners. It's just... <laughs>
0: Remember uh, CD-ROMs where you just—if you walked anywhere, excuse CD me, romps, CD CD-ROMS.
3: <laughs> cassettes are back.
0: Cassettes are back.
3: <laughs> so yeah, cassettes are cool. So it not, uh, yeah, I thought or or it's, or. You know, old day bicycle lights with incandescent bulbs, where they went dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. These days, they just they give you a little bit of warning with a flashing light, and then they just go dead. I thought the CPU would do that. Mm. Now it turns out that when you do under it slightly, that the obvious, the simple, what let's call them simple instructions that the CPU can do, like add, subtract, X or and, the mm-hmm. things that just work directly in one go with two registers, those either work perfectly or the, until the CPU freezes. Mm-hmm. But the researchers figured, what if we try some of the slightly more complicated instructions that take longer to work, like multiply, and they discovered by trial and error that for some chips at some under voltages, at some point, suddenly some multiplications went haywire. Like they'd come out with a negative number instead of a positive one, or they'd flip some bits in the answer and the rest of the CPU would keep working fine. So the, the damage, if you like, it wasn't bad enough to stop you hearing yeah. the music on your Walkman. It still sounded just about okay. Okay. But there were these faults, and that meant that the CPU didn't realise that something was wrong. It just ploughed on regardless, even though it now was committing these errors, which they the important thing is they found that they were reliably repeatable. Right. So it wasn't like a random error. They could predict roughly what was going to happen for specific inputs. They could predict what would go wrong in the output.
0: So then what could an attacker do?
3: Well, the instant re- obviously the, the researchers cover this issue in the paper it's quite important that to make on on every th- cpu i've seen uh, or at least the way intel have devised this is to change the voltage which is independent of the cpu it's managed by a voltage regulator circuit you actually need to program what's called an msr or a model specific register and to do that you have to be the operating system kernel and in every operating system kernel that i've seen when you call the kernel code that says, please change the voltage for me, it forces you to be admin mm-hmm. or root. In other words, you have to have superpowers already in order to pull this trick off. Right. So people are going, so what's the big deal? If you want to use this to to mess with another process, why don't you just mess with it directly and stop fooling around? Mm-hmm. But what they had in mind is that they were looking to attack a feature of Intel CPUs Um, called SGX, which is short for Software Guard Extensions. And this is a newish feature, which is quite clever. It basically produces, it it allows you to fence off a part of memory in the computer and say, even the operating system kernel cannot look in this. Mm -hmm. So you have like a sort of uber administrator. And the idea is you use those things called enclaves to do your cryptographic or your secure calculations. And what they wanted to do, they wanted to see if they could get admin outside the enclave and then use this under-voltage trick, which doesn't actually involve modifying any memory in the computer directly, to cause this secure code, which was above administrator, way above even kernel privilege, and get it to misbehave. Because if they could, then they figured those enclaves are usually used for security, cryptographic calculations, storing data that you don't want anyone to be able to spy on even the operating system kernel if they could peek in there then they'd achieved quite a dangerous result and that they did actually get that far they were Mm -hmm. able to do just that
0: so how do people find out if plunder vault's an issue for them
3: well the the most modern intel cpus do have support for this sgx feature uh, which this attack was specifically designed to exploit not everybody you run software that makes use of it and not all computers actually support the SGX enclaving system even if the cpu does i believe map mac maple MacBooks, <laughs> apple that thing yeah app max macbooks uh <laughs> they theoretically support sgx but there's no option in the hardware to turn it on yeah. so you kind of think well maybe i don't have to worry about this um the problem is that that as Mark pointed out, there are many other parts of the system that could go wrong. So Intel's solution, at least for the time being, while they're looking at what the other implications might be, is to say what we're going to do is we're actually we're not going to try and modify the SGX to be resilient to undervolting. We're going to actually stop people from undervolting the CPU mm. by default so that if there are other things that could go wrong, we'll head them off. Mm-hmm. They figure it's okay to adjust the voltage, but the idea that a program just does it at runtime, if you can do that, then... You can already do a denial-of-service attack, right? You just shut the voltage down until the yeah. computer dies at the point you want. So their fix is that um, when, if you apply a BIOS fix that they've now provided as a result of this paper, then you kind of, at least for the time being, you solve the known side effects of this problem for the, for the moment. You simply prevent the voltage from being fiddled with in this way. Yeah, It's a very long answer that says, download <laughs> the BIOS update. There's If you go to nakedsecurity.sophos.com, we've got links to the PlunderVolt paper, Intel's security response, and Intel's advice on how to do your BIOS upgrade. Greg, stick them in will, the show notes. That will, that will essentially r- render you, at least in the short term, immune to this particular attack. Mm-hmm. So your CPU, you won't be able to fiddle with the voltage, so this attack should be kind of moot.
2: Duck, I promise I was listening, but does anybody else think that Mapple Akintosh would be a brilliant name for a Mac knockoff? <laughs> I, I, I want a pack
0: Pro or whatever it is. Pac-Muc Pro? What was it? Fido. Uh, I haven't yeah. called you for Fido for a long time. because you haven't called me in Fido. ages. I know. Oh, sorry, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit awkward. That's not a conversation for the podcast.
3: Maybe there's something in the Dare book about that. <laughs> yeah. See if we can find it. While riding a lift... Gasp dramatically every time the doors open.
0: <gasps> From the Anna Brading School of uh, Naughty Fridays, you can see if you can fit three crackers, if you can eat three crackers in a minute.
1: What, a Christmas cracker? That's quite
0: a big <laughs> bit. Yeah. yeah. Especially <laughs> with a popping bit.
3: I think they are, That's for American listeners, I think that's what you guys call a Graham cracker. It's no, just... that's
0: digestive biscuits. Is it? Yeah, Graham, graham cracker. Are slightly different, aren't they? It's a thing that's yeah, very dry. Biscuits. As soon
3: as you start eating one, your mouth goes. <laughs> And yeah, I was really third. cocky
0: and thought I could, but turns out I can't. Anyway, Friday. Yes, back to you. Hey. Sorry, I haven't called in a while.
1: It's all right. <laughs> could at least text.
0: <laughs> I'm ghosting you. Congress gave Apple and Facebook a bit of an ultimatum this week, didn't they? They
1: did, yeah. So, uh, well, we say this week. I think it was on, was it last Tuesday? Tuesday, 10th of December?
0: Um, Um,
1: So there'd been this uh, Senate's judiciary, I can't even say that word, Senate's judiciary uh, committee hearing. Still can't say say it. I say. Well,
3: when I was in the judiciary, (laughs) my goodness, back in 1674,
0: betwixt.
1: I'll edit this bit out, shall I? I'll I it out. <laughs> um
0: don't edit out the bit where you said between your
1: cheeks. It's staying in, it's staying in. Uh, okay, so the, US, so the US Congress, they, they um, told representatives from Facebook and Apple basically to go and put back doors in their encryption or Congress is going to go and pass a bunch of laws and force them to do it instead. So Senator Lindsey Graham told uh, Facebook and Apple reps, actually there's a re- couple of quotes which I'm going to smash together here, I think. They said, uh, you're going to find a way to do this or we're going to do this for you. We're not going to live in a world where a bunch of... Child abusers and terrorists have a safe haven to practice their craft. Period. End of discussion.
0: It's like being told off by a
1: teacher. It is. It is. It's very authoritative, isn't mm. it? Um, I think we should probably unpack end-to-end encryption because hopefully people understand encryption. Yeah? Making using maths to effectively make things unreadable apart from the intended recipients. Um, but end-to-end encryption is the use of encryption, as the name it suggests, so that the entire communication end-to-end is encrypted so that no one in the middle of that sort of communication can grab a message. So if I send you a nice encrypted message at end-to-end, I encrypt it on my device, Anna, and it doesn't matter who it goes through. So it could go through loads of different computers. Once it reaches you, you are the only person mm-hmm. who can decrypt it. And that's end-to-end encryption. And it means that we can uh, send communications over untrusted networks.
0: And Facebook currently offers that now for everything or
1: so as far as i'm aware they use it in whatsapp by default it's been in there for quite some time actually um it's available in facebook messenger but only if you go and turn it on yourself it's an optional feature i think it's on a per chat basis uh and i don't believe instagram has end-to-end encryption at all okay I mean, ultimately, in- encryption is one of the foundational technologies that lets this whole information revolution take place. It's that ability to communicate securely over public untrusted networks. You know, the internet is like the wild, wild west. Anyone can just connect, get connected to it. Anyone can send communications over it. And, you know, in many cases, anyone can sort of stand up a wireless access point or, and start intercepting traffic or, you know, they can uh, run servers and all sorts. It, it's mm. it's well, very Whoever open. you are, you're almost certain are using infrastructure owned by somebody else that you have no particular reason to trust. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and encryption is what lets us then use all these kind of technologies safely. And, it, and there's loads of things. like So thanks to encryption that's used in DRM, digital rights management, things like, I'm going to just pick one provider, but there's many other streaming services like this. It's my caveat. <laughs> uh, you know, Netflix use yeah. things like DRM and encryption to encrypt movies so that when it comes to your computer, only you with you know, your valid credentials can decrypt it and stream it. Mm. And it makes it harder for you to steal it as a file and share it with other people. So encryption is a really important technology to let us have things just like watching TV and, you know, uh, satellites and cable and and streaming services. Uh, it lets us um, it lets us do things like online banking. You know, it lets us use payment systems without having to worry about someone might steal our banking credentials mm. or you know our bank account details when we're filling it in in a form. Uh, it lets us work remotely. You know, if, if people like working away from the office, not having to be physically. On that network in that building using things like encryption which is part of vpn or ssh or almost every other remote sort of desktop protocol like technology mm. you know that ability to be able to work wherever you are over the internet safely from the comfort of your pajamas in the living room encryption is what helps you do that. So encryption is really important. This list is huge. Encryption is the the enabler to have this kind of public internet boom that we've had. Mm. So then when you start hearing stuff like, you know, like this, where they're trying to say, well, you've got to put back doors in, it starts to make some major worries. Um, so, but technically,
2: it would be possible to have a, a system of encryption where keys are shared with some trusted third party, wouldn't it? I mean, what's the... So you don't not have encryption if you have that sort of backdoor.
1: Yeah. So what's the So I mean there's the problem. There's many proposals for how you might try and backdoor encryption, but they all suffer from a lot of major problems. And I, I think a nice way of summarizing it is that by weakening encryption for someone means weakening encryption for everyone. Um there's a nice quote from Bruce Schneier, which was actually used in the article by Lisa for, on naked security. Um it's where, uh, so Bruce says, you have to make a choice. Either everyone gets to spy or no one gets to spy. You can't have, we get to spy, you don't. That's not the way that tech works. Mm. And and it's true. With encryption, if I was to backdoor encryption and create a master key, um, a master key, it's like a, it, it's a, an encryption key is just a string of text. People think of encryption keys, it sounds kind of fancy, like it's like a physical key that, you know, if you've seen the movie Golden Eye, it's like the Golden Eye kind of magic keys and twisting locks and you think they're kind of fancy. But yeah. an encryption key is ultimately, well, let's take an AES256-bit encryption key. You can put that into 64 characters. So 64 letters and numbers is all you need to be an encryption key. And if that was the master key to the world, 64 characters. I can write that down. I can put that in a tweet. I can copy and paste that. Um and not only no, really no, no one's going to no one's going to notice you smuggling that out of a building. Exactly. I mean one it's certain people could easily just read that. I mean people learn the digits of pi up to astronomical values. 64 characters. Yeah, but that's there's a serious side to that. Learning pi. I mean that's kind of important, right? It is. I mean, ask an engineer, you don't need no. to know that many no. of them. <laughs> not that many digits of pi. But yeah, um I guess I'm being
3: flippant there, Greg. So where I'm going is that a lot of people, when they talk about encryption, they see it as the important part of it, as it's all about secrecy. Mm. But in fact, when you think about what we do online, there's another angle to it and another thing that's important, particularly in end-to-end encryption, and that is the authenticity or the integrity of what you do mm-hmm. is also protected by exactly mm. the same technology. Mm, yeah. Now, if I had to, if if in my online banking. If I could only if I could pick either to keep it secret what I was spending with whom, or stop the crooks fiddling where the money went when I spent it, I would take the latter. I'd rather take the risk of people knowing being able to spy on what I was actually spending than actually steal my money. And the point is that encryption, the technology we use actually allows you, and it's very important for doing both of those. Yes. So it's not about, oh, I've got something to hide. And by the way, Everybody has something to hide because it may be that the government requires you to keep them something secret and not tell them to the whole world. Um but also that you have this need to know that what you see coming back from a website or what you're sending there, the instructions you're sending, arrive in the same form that you sent them. Not so much that you don't want people to see them, but you don't want them to be messed with along the
1: way. Yeah, exactly. Imagine if you were like sharing a file with a friend on a messaging app and someone was able to intercept that. You know, It wasn't encrypted and they could manipulate it, put some malware or something in that file or delete an important part or maybe change the terms of a contract, right? So, yeah, that's a really good point. So- exactly,
3: and in the days before HTTPS, that's exactly what some malware would do. Ooh, yeah. Basically, right. you download the legit file, and it just gets changed along the way. So there's nothing to go and look for on the server that you're downloading the malware from. It's just added on the fly because there's nothing to protect it while it's in transit. So you didn't mind people knowing what you were downloading. You just wanted to know that you were getting the original stuff. Yeah. And that's the other thing that we lose if we don't have encryption. It's not about keeping secrets as important as that might be it's also about doing the right thing all the time and not allowing the crooks to wander in and and trick you in a way that you can't detect so just to, so again the
2: congress isn't saying that we can't have encryption what yeah. they're saying is that you, you can't have encryption that we can't crack. So the vulnerability here
3: well just to be fair congress isn't quite saying it yet. There's a judiciary. Yeah. Um but the the, use the use mood
2: music community. is very clear. Yeah. Directors of the FBI have been going around for a number of years basically Absolutely. basically yeah. saying kind of setting the groundwork for this and saying yeah, this is what we want. You this hear it out of need. the UK as well. Exactly. You hear it out yes. of Australia quite yeah.
3: frequently. This this murmuring that oh, you've got to, you've got to, whenever there's a key, you've got to give us a spare copy, and we'll so put it in the cupboard.
2: To get down the vulnerability here is let's say if if you steal my encryption key for something, then you can get access to me yeah. and my communications. But if there's a master key that is a backdoor to everyone, or there's some vault where, you know, a collection of second keys is kept, then actually that becomes the
1: most desirable hacking target in the world. Anywhere, doesn't anywhere, it? Anywhere, yeah. And that, and that's the other thing is, you know, that if you're creating a master key for, like, everyone's communications, who determines who gets to have that master key? Yeah. You know, you get one mm. government saying, well, we re- want, we want it, but they're claiming that they're the good guys. That's fair enough, but who's to determine that? Yeah. You know, what when Russia asks for, uh, you know, access for the very same key the US want? What about China and so on? Mm. Who's to determine whether they do or do not deserve to get access to these keys? And how much computing power are your rivals
2: then prepared to put into trying to crack to try that key? Yeah. Yeah or to break open the vault that contains those keys. Exactly. I mean, any vulnerability... Or the
3: vaults, is. because typically yeah. when you get these proposals, like on, on a related topic, we have this deal in the UK at the moment where, well, we don't want your keys yet, but we be really handy, and so we're going to make ISPs keep a record, not of which web pages, what the web pages you actually viewed, but just roughly where you went, metadata if you like. Yeah. So now... Every ISP has now got this giant cupboard stuffed full of data that they've got to keep for years and years and years. Mm. And so it's suddenly it's not about whether you trust Russia, China, the US. It's about whether the cupboard suddenly bursts open because someone squeezed it too tight. Mm. Also whether you trust a future government with it, right? Well, the point is that... when you when you start talking like that, people come up. Well, you're being unpatri- unpatriotic, and you're being you know you're being uh, you you're you're being anti civil society, and all of those arguments. The problem is, you can ignore. To me, you can ignore all of that and just look at how many data breaches there've been in recent history that have come via organisations and companies that you would have sworn blind could never make a mistake like yeah, that. Yeah. Well,
1: let's say let's take uh, let's take the National Security Agency. So the NSA lost uh, Eternal a bunch Blue. of the yeah Eternal Blue, Eternal <laughs> Romance, some of the most powerful, devastatingly powerful hacking tools ever. They got breached. Those got lost, and within months of them being stolen and and and, and leaked out to the world, we want got WannaCry, yeah. one of the most devastating bits of malware that we've had in, in, in recent years. And I would certainly like to think that a security agency of a, of a nation state would be one of the best at keeping things secure in their country. And if they're unable to keep, you know, these kind of, you know, weapons grade technology safe, mm. how would they keep 65, sorry, 64 characters of text safe for anywhere near as, as much time? Uh, and, that, and that is the real big risk. The, the other thing, Duck, and you touched on this, was this 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 problem, which is that we always hear this with these encryption arguments about backdooring. It is it ends up going down a logical fallacy route, which is the fallacy of appeal to emotion. Mm. The idea that you know, instead they always go, oh, oh, well, it's child abusers and terrorists and all these bad guys are doing it, and encryption's being used by paedophiles, and 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 it and, it, it, and, it, and, it, and it, they're using this kind of rhetoric to bypass logic and reason, and instead they're playing off our emotions. I genuinely believe
2: that the politicians who are pressing for this kind of thing, and in particular the the people in law enforcement like the FBI who are pressing for this kind of thing, genuinely believe that they are acting in the best interests mm. of the people they're trying to protect. They are, yeah. Because there are paedophiles using these things. They, they, these tools are used to go dark, mm-hmm. as they say, and to hide communications. Mm-hmm. And every time there's some kind of... Terrorist outrage in this country, very quickly followed by calls for things like backdoors in WhatsApp, and and that's because these kind of apps. I mean, if if you're into doing bad stuff, you would use end-to-end encryption. Absolutely. Um, it's just the case that the the argument for weakening encryption weakens all encryption everywhere uh. for everyone, which includes an enormous amount of good stuff.
1: That things like commerce and law enforcement yep. actually rely upon. Yeah. And it'll have a chilling it'll have a chilling impact on the good uses of it, as people are now concerned who've got complete legitimate uses of these technologies, but are now concerned that they're being eavesdropped or that they might not be secure. But also it's as they found with like terrorists, the moment they find out whatever they're using has been compromised, they just shift to another service. Yeah, so that's... if you go and backdoor WhatsApp, all you're not going to go and reveal terrorists. You're just telling terrorists, don't use WhatsApp, use yeah. something else. Yeah, don't be... use XMPP with like actual end-to-end encryption.
2: I, for me, that's the most persuasive argument. That, that, you know, the one thing that you know about uh, pedophiles and terrorists and people like that is that they don't care much for the law. Mm. <laughs> so if you pass a law that says you've got to use backdoored encryption... Mm
1: yeah, the people the who people
2: aren't going don't. to use it are the people that you're trying to target. And the people who are going to use it are the very people that we don't want
1: to weaken, yeah,
0: and they must be doing other things as well. Like Facebook can't just be, Washing their hands of it, you know, they they're trying other stuff, aren't they?
1: Absolutely. And and the thing is they're actually making amazing inroads on this. I'm not the world's biggest personal fan of, of Facebook. We're quite vocal about that normally. But <laughs> actually looking at what they've been committing to, they're meeting with a lot of safety experts, working with um, victim advocates, child help lines and others to try and figure out how to better help kids report harm or anyone else to help improve how you know mm. if they identify something and how they can kind of make raise alarm bells and so on. They're also working at new ways to to analyze the content that's being uploaded. The images that are being put on Facebook groups, the text that's being uploaded in the public spaces mm-hmm. to try and identify dangerous content and so on. So they're making inroads in, in the right ways without weakening everyone's security in the process. Yeah. And they
2: they also said a very clear, big, fat no to this yeah. demand
1: to... Installed back doors, didn't yeah. they? Absolutely, which is, I think, a, a really welcome sign that they're understanding security. Mm. You know, that I think Facebook have also made massive inroads in hiring lots of security uh, experts. I think someone told me they got is it double the security people now working for them mm. in recent, in, even like the last year, something, a real big increase in the number of security professionals working um, for them. And they'd want they,
0: to, wouldn't they, given the PR? <laughs> well,
1: yeah, negative fear. But it's good because it means that, we, you know, it always seems understandable that, you know, people see all the, you know, terrorists and, and child abusers mm. are using encryption to hide away. And so you jump out what seems logical to you, which is, oh, well, we need to backdoor it and we need to mm. get around encryption. But whereas actual security people and even some security services, it's they would say, well, well, let's look at the metadata. Let's look at other content. There's other indicators and other tools you can use to find without needing to just completely break one of the mm. fundamental technologies we need to have a public internet
0: cool thank you everybody and thank you to anyone who has listened this year and rated us maybe even raved about us and talked to us on twitter um we'll be back in 2020 with more podcast chat where can we find you on social media fido
1: uh, you can find me on the twitters as at sec and you can find me on the reddits <laughs> As I'm gonna say it like that from now on. Okay. Uh, you can find me on the Reddits as uh, the uh, sorry, just SECBUG. Bug again. You know, short for Security Bug. Sec Bug. And did in the judiciary, judiciary <laughs> committees. How about you, Marks?
0: Can you speak like that too? No. Okay, Mark.
2: Hi, you can find me on Twitter at Duckley and at Internet of Hens. How
0: are the hens? I've been worried about them.
2: They're doing okay. They're looking a bit threadbare. It's winter and they're quite old, Aww. and they're, they're doing a very badly timed molt at the moment. But I think they're they're they be pulling
3: through. Duck. Yes, I am at DuckBlog on Twitter and at P Ducklin on Instagram.
0: I'm at Anna Braiding on Twitter, and we are at Naked Security on Twitter and Instagram. If you're celebrating, have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And until next year, see you. Stay I do. secure. Oh, oh my God. <laughs>
1: I think that went really well.
0: (laughs) And until next year. Stay stay secure. secure.